This podcast is designed for you to discover more about who you are, to challenge your old adopted beliefs, and to expand your awareness of what's really possible. I'm Adam Esco, and this is The Unspoken Agreements. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Unspoken Agreements podcast. I am your host, Adam Esco. For those of you who don't know who I am, I am a transformational coach, I'm a speaker. I get to work with people in the workplace, people that are brilliant. They feel like they've hit a wall where they're frustrated and they don't know what to do next. They have this uncertainty looming right in front of them and they just want something different for their lives. They they don't know what it is, they don't necessarily know how to get there, and I help them get the clarity and walk them through and guide them and lead them on how to have a different result show up in their life so they could live that type of life they really want. That's what I did for myself, I led myself through that process, and I'm so grateful that I get to help others do the same for themselves. So if this speaks to you, I encourage you to reach out to me. You could send me an email at adam at escocoaching.com. I'm also grateful to be working with Truth Work Media on this podcast. They are the production team that puts everything together for the podcast, and they've been phenomenal to work with. You know, podcasting is blowing up in 2020 and it's not going anywhere. So if this is something that speaks to you and this is something you want to get into, I strongly encourage you to either reach out to me or just reach out directly to them. Uh, so that you can get the the right people on your team to have you sound great on a podcast that you want to do. Now, this is going to be really exciting to introduce this week's guest, A.M. Williams. And here's why I'm so excited to introduce A.M. This was the very first recorded podcast that I did. This was the very first interview. And so I'm about to get real with you here. The, the word that comes to mind when I think of A.M. Williams is resilience, and I definitely got a taste of the resilience during the process of this recording. So here's what was going on in the back end. I'll show you. I'm going to just pull back the curtain so you get a sense of what was going on. I had already tried to schedule A.M. for a podcast recording. Something came up in my world where literally a day or two before we were going to record, there was a family emergency and I asked AM if he could reschedule and he graciously did. So now we're going on the second time where AM's booking on his time to come on to the podcast. And I've got a list of, I have a checklist of things that I'm doing when I'm recording. I'm checking the mics, I'm checking the volume, I'm kind of going through a whole list of things. So, so here we go. We're about to shoot. And after literally, a minute or two when we turn on the mics and start recording with AM, I am literally hearing every other word. Like, like his voice is clicking in and out. It's cutting in and out. The server is showing uh, that it's crashing on the website that we use to record it. So I'm like, oh man, this is this is not going well. Like this is I I can't even hear what he's saying. But like I'm like, all right. Let's just stick through with it. This could just kind of, you could get over this. So I'm like, let's stick with it. Even though the voice inside my head is like, yeah, we got nothing. We got nothing. But I decide to stay with it. I'm like, let's keep going. 
there's some periods where I'm really hearing what he's saying and the, and what he's saying is so powerful. I'm like, we got to just stick with this whole thing. So it turned out that when this whole recording was done, that I didn't know if we were going to have anything or nothing, but we just spent an hour talking and the whole entire recording was captured. Totally fine. It just wasn't coming through necessarily on my end. So I'm phenomenal excited that it did because AM really carried this whole interview and that's why I'm so excited to share it with you. AM Williams works as a speaker, as a business coach, as a trainer, and he works with high-performing entrepreneurs and professionals blow past their limitations and he helps them play big. As you're going to hear in the episode, he has not had typical life experiences. AM shares how his life changed literally in an instant. He had pain one day, and then he ended up in the hospital, and then he later became diagnosed as an incomplete paraplegic. And literally for an entire decade, his life was just being in and out of hospitals. He talks about how he's able to look beyond his condition and focus on what he could do to use the abilities and talents to eventually build a business and a life which is in service to other people. He is living it and not just speaking it. So this whole interview is focused not only around um, the story that got him into the physical condition that he got into, but how he's able to blow past any of these limitations to use his life and leverage his success. So Without further ado, so excited to share with you A.M. Williams. A.M., I am so, so, so glad that we get this time to talk together. And I want to thank you so much for being on the podcast when... I was talking to a mutual friend a couple weeks ago and I was sharing a little bit about the podcast and right before we got off the call, she said, you know what? There's someone great that I want you, I want to connect you to. And she mentioned your name. She mentioned how you were a speaker, a business coach, a trainer, and that you just approach life in such a powerful way. And then I was getting really excited. So I, you and I got on the phone together and we talked for about an hour and you shared so much of your story, and I was really moved by what you've gone through and just the way you approach life, and I'm really excited to be able to talk to you today, so thank you so much for being here. It's my my pleasure, Adam. Great. Great to be here with you today. Great. So I know we're gonna get into a little bit of your history and share that with the guests. I want to start by hearing a little bit about what your life was like prior to 1998 and then get into what happened when you got your diagnosis. Could you share a little bit of that with me? Well, um, in the book, I, I talk about uh, how life was sweet. <laughs> and uh, it actually, um, the chapter starts, there's no sweet, there are no sweet journeys to greatness. Um, at that time, I felt like life was sweet where I had a great banking career. I was top um, in the top percentage of my sales within the organization. 
um, I I had a, a little baby girl and um, was in a relationship at that time. Um, and it was it, every, everything, man. It, it just seemed like it was going really great. Um, I was constantly um, being given opportunities to grow within the organization. And I was literally on the verge of uh, uh, becoming a loan officer within the organization. Um, and so I, I, my career was growing at a budding career. I did great in sales. I was um, doing, doing okay. And I mean, in that degree, in that sense, life was, life was sweet. And uh, so therefore, you know, um, I'm going along and well, part of my regiment was to get up in the morning and uh, I'd be at the gym by five o'clock in the morning and I would work out and come back home and um, get myself dressed and then go to the office. Well, um, I kind of felt like I had pulled a muscle in my groin or something. I didn't, I didn't know what it was, but all of a sudden I had this limp. And um, I was noticing how I could start walking on one side of the hall and eventually veer to the other side. And I uh, couldn't understand what was going on. And then I noticed with um, just doing some recreational things, playing some basketball with some colleagues of mine, that I couldn't jump like I used to. And I was like, what is going on? So I went into the emergency room just to get checked out to kind of see what was going on. And um, they had ran a couple of tests and they said, well, we still can't see and uh, what what was happening. So we need to do some more ex extensive tests. I said, okay, fine. And um, little did I know that that visit to the emergency room would be the beginning of a, tr a change in my life, a disruption in my life, where I would find myself being orientated with uh, a side of life that I never really knew existed, not to the, the way that I know it now. Um, and that specifically talking about the world of uh, disability, the world of long-term injury and um, I think disability is a little bit more appropriate due to the fact of the uh, the extent extensive nature of it. But in that process, I have learned I've I've been able to see different vantage points on different things, and um, it literally it really changed my life. It disrupted my life. Uh, but I can say that it has been one of the most beneficial things that have happened to me in life um, as well. And I guess at some point in time, we'll be able to talk about that. Yeah. And I want to understand this day. I mean, this is a day you're, you're what, around 27 years old. You've got, you know, some things you're noticing in your walk. You can't jump. You go into the ER. And what are you expecting to hear that day? Like what's going through your mind from what you were just well, I'm expecting like, them to tell me that you know I've that that I had pulled the muscle in my groin that I was going to have to kind of take it easy for a couple of days or you know or weeks or something that and I was maybe have to do you know um, I would have to take some medicine or 
uh, use a um, heating pad or something, but it was going to be like kind of, you know, I was going to be out of the loop for a few days. That <laughs> I was thinking like that at max. Uh, but outside of that, I, you know, I was completely ignorant to what else it may be. Um, so uh, it just kind of blew me away to find out to the extent of, you know, what was taking place. And I, and I should say, you know, in, in efforts to put this in total context, um, the, 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 the situation that I was dealing with and, and that particular time in my relationship with my daughter and all that, we were already, um, separated at that time. So while this stuff was going on, I was already by myself. I was, uh, you know, I was living alone and, um, you know, this is, uh, this, this, you know, all of this was taking place. This was kind of life in the, in the aftermath or, you know, in the, uh, you know, we're trying to move forward phase of my life. So, um, this was, this was a a very interesting time. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, you're in the hospital thinking they're going to say, okay, you got a pulled groin, you got a tear Mm -hmm. here and you're in the hospital for how long? Like about four or five hours at that time. And they discovered, you know, it's like, whoa, you actually have cysts on your spine. And uh, we need to operate immediately. So there's um, no going home. You're still in the hospital where they say that. Yeah, they could. They said it could be cancerous. You know, it could be deadly. Could be deadly. Wow. Any um, any anyone you call at that point when they say that? I mean, what's your reaction? What what are the? I I totally to- was stunned. I mean, I I went from thinking I might be out of commission for a couple of days to questioning my mortality. Yeah. You know. Um, it was like life altering. Um, and so at that point it was, you know, I didn't really know what to think or do. I had already contacted a couple of friends of mine, um, who were close, who were in the area, um, and told them what was going on and, you know, ask them to come by just in case I may need someone to help drive me home. So I had fortunate enough to have a couple of people, that were already, you know, in route to, to come and see. And when they got there, we kind of got the diagnosis with everybody there at once. Yeah. So that kind of helped because it helped soften the blow of me having to hear it alone, you know. Um, but nevertheless, it was still a lot to take in at once. Sure. And so can you walk me through what happened at that point they they get you you go in the operating room and what happened after that well i mean i i um they get in there they run a couple of more tests and um they were talking about doing some kind of biopsy or Mm. it's like well we could do the biopsy first and then we can go back and do the surgery and i was like no um I, that's just one place I don't want you to keep continuously going in and out of, um, the back because some people just, you know, they just don't make it back from that. And so I'm like, okay, let's just do everything at once. That was my mentality, uh, to get it done. And so, uh, they were telling me we need to have this surgery done and, uh, I needed to get in there. And so they were like, we need to go ahead and operate. And I'm like, okay, let's find that's fine. Well, even after everything, you know, the, all the urgency that was created, 
I still did not have the operation done that day. Okay. It was like a couple of days later before they actually did it, but they were like, we need you to be in our care um, right now so they can monitor things and um, check out things and make sure that, you know, that I was okay in the event of something dangerous happening. I think they're, they were concerned that there could be a burst and um, it could in, get into my blood system and, and, and literally take me out right away. So that uh, having me there, they could monitor me closely. And um, a couple of days later, I had the surgery and uh, I've never had a back surgery before. So I, I, mean, I didn't know what to expect, but it was kind of tough at first. And I was in um, I was in the hospital maybe about three days after that surgery. Um, and I literally got back to the point where I could stand hmm. um, and take steps and walk. And I did the physical therapy exercises they asked me to do. Um, and they felt great about my progress at that time. And they sent me home literally hmm. three days after surgery. Yeah, sent home. Uh, and I felt great about it. I felt like I had it whooped. Um, went home and I, I literally progressed to the point where I could take steps without a cane. And I challenged myself by I mean, being raised in the country. Um, we had a lot of grassy terrain and um, a lot of rocks and um, gravel driveways and, and things. Um, and so I challenged myself on those surfaces. And I failed a couple of times, but I got back up and I just kept doing it over and over again. But little did I know, um, I was tearing, I was creating scar tissue hmm. uh, because of improper techniques on certain things. It's not, you know, when you see, you see the Rocky movies and you see him go and do all of this cross training, um, you know, and you, 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 you feel like, okay, well, the road to my recovery is through cross training and doing that. But if you don't do it properly, it can hurt. More damage. And so, yeah. So, Little did I know, even though I was walking more, I didn't realize because I wasn't doing certain things properly, I was literally scarring. I was creating more scar tissue. And um, I was not really, I was, I was, I thought I was satisfying the need by being able to walk, but I was only making it worse. And that proved, that proved to be true one year later. Okay. When uh, we had an ice storm. And I was standing on a sheet of ice and my legs just started separating mm. on their own. And I couldn't, I, I did not have the strength, the muscle strength in my hips to keep them together. They were just going off on their own. And I'm, I'm a pretty, you know, big guy. Mm. So I'm like six, eight. And um, I'm standing there and I can't keep my legs from spreading. And, um, my brother had came up and saw me and I told him what was going on and he kind of helped me um, get my bearings back. And um, I had went in to work and I, I thought I was doing okay. The next day um, I went to the car to take myself to work and um, the, the, the feeling in my legs just disappeared. And so, mm. 
I couldn't feel my legs and I'm here on the the road. I'm, I'm, I'm on the road with a, uh, a behind a vehicle uh, in a vehicle, driving a, yeah. driving a car and can't wow. feel my legs. Wow. Um, I was fortunate enough to be on a side street. I was about to get on a main highway, but I was on a side street and, um, before I could really, because it was icy and snowy, so I wasn't really traveling fast. But when I couldn't feel my legs, you know, all of a sudden the car started uh, decreasing in speed. Um, the ice, the the snow and all it was slowing the car down. And I literally was able to just turn the car around and coast right back into my parking lot. Oh, my. Uh, that was... It was scary, but I at least I wasn't, you know, on a highway, major highway, and something yeah. like that was happening. So I thank God for that. Um, but then I went back to um, the hospital um, with a friend of mine, and um, the doctors told us my gate was off. Something was wrong immediately. Mm. Um, and that I needed to, you know, here I am. I'm having a, needing another surgery immediately because something was off. Message. So here I am <laughs> going back through the same thing. And, and then what's going through your mind at that point? This is the second time you go in and they're saying, no, they, it's, it's, they're, it's, they're telling me, okay, well, you know, we have the, the shunt had come out mm. of the, uh, the, the the back the shunt that they had put in the surgery from the beginning had come out and they needed to replace it so I'm like okay well they're not like, they're having to do anything too major they're just going to replace yeah. the shunt again not realizing you know I'm, I'm ignorant to the process of it but it seemed pretty simple to me they were just going to replace the shunt and yep. go on so but the difference is after I had this surgery and I woke up they asked me to move my toes and I couldn't do it. They asked me to wiggle my toes. I couldn't do it. They asked me to move my feet. I couldn't do it. Um, move my legs. I couldn't do it. And it was at that moment I said, okay, something's wrong. Hmm. Something's something's not right. And uh, not to belabor the point, but needless to say, that's where my whole journey to, to you know, disability began because um, that operation literally set the tone for what would end up being the next 20 years of my life dealing with uh, long-term injury, dealing with uh, being in and out of hospitals, uh, long hospital stays, um, staying in rest homes, nursing homes, um, ICU, CCU. I mean, any of you you can think of, I, I was there. Because um, in addition to having a surgery, having contracted a deadly staph infection while in the operating room. So, I mean, it was just one thing after the other thing for the next 20 years. Um, uh, well, I wouldn't say the next 20, I would say the next 10 years. Um, and uh, it just, it, um, it brought, it just literally my whole, the whole thirties were like nothing but, medical um uh, my whole life was dedicated to you know just uh, dealing with things in my health 
uh, like they just wore a blur all of my thirties. So you're, what? you're, you're in your 30s. You get this news, one thing after another, the staph infection on top of that, where it's more, this is, everyone's saying this is serious. Well, before it's all the expectation of, oh, well, it's, it's either a growing thing or just put the shunt in. But no, now it's starting to sink in that, hey, this might actually be something that's going to totally change my life. Yeah, it turned into paralysis. You know, it turned into paralysis. And um, that, that's a game changer. That's a game changer. I mean, some people are born with, with this and it's difficult. Um, and I do not, I do not discount the journey. Um, I'm always inspired um, by people who find ways to adapt and do what they can do, especially when they've been dealing with something through birth. But having had mobility, having walked, having played sports, having done the things that I have done mm. um, and to be introduced to this lifestyle at the age of 27, 28 years old and um, to come up on the cusp of this like at 29, here you are, 29, 30 years old yeah, and you, you're dealing with um, paraplegia which was diagnosed originally as quadriplegia until they saw that I could move my arms and mm -hmm. hands and things. And then they diagnosed it as paraplegia. And then they saw me actually move my legs some. And so they said, well, he's not a complete paraplegic. Uh, so he's incomplete. And so the diagnosis right. was incomplete paraplegia, which is extreme weakness in the legs and, you know, all signals just don't go through your body. Got it. And you know what I'm, I'm trying to imagine? Because you get this diagnosis, which is just, I can't imagine what kind of rock that is. But on top of that, you're still in the hospital for lengths of time with all kinds. Of, I mean, what's, the days must feel like, you know, weeks What's what kind of things go through your mind when you're sitting there? You know, you had this this life that you thought you had, and now you're there's some uncertainty, right, going on. You know, interesting about that is like it was good that I was ignorant to all of this because I didn't know what to expect. Yeah. I, as I look back, I tell people I, I I'm I'm glad I didn't know how to behave. This you know. Um, as a person, you know, going through something like that, I, I didn't know what I was, what, what I was supposed to do. And I, I know people handle things like this differently. It's just that even though I was going through this, there was never a doubt in my mind that I would not be able to get up and walk again. Wow. Ever. Wow. So to me, this was all temporary. You know, this was just something you know, as if as if I would have sprained um, my leg or my arm or, you know, like you're going to have to do this for a little while and, you know, things will yeah. come back to normal and you'll get back. So that was my disposition for 10 years. Wow. Wow. Like I would never like I'm, I'm, I'm going to get back on my feet again. Yeah. That's not a matter of that. So 
I just would not allow. But that was while that was happening, mm. the reality of the situation uh, the situation was kicking in, and the gravity. Um, there was much more gravity in the situation, and I started realizing it because the the the, the financial institution I worked for would no longer. You know, they they denied my disability claim and I could no longer keep my job. Mm-hmm. Uh, I lost 90 percent of my income. Um, I also had tried to start my own uh, business. I, I was in network marketing and I was able to do it. And, you know, again, I've been great at sales, you know, for a while. So I, I, I did exceptionally well and moved up through the company pretty fast. Um, only to be told that you're going to have to let that company go because you can't do that and get this insurance. So whatever I had in my life, no matter how great it seemed, the great income, the great position, the ability to, you know, none of that stuff, when when disaster struck, when tragedy struck, none of that stuff had the ability to help me navigate you know, this path and um, to help me to, you know, deal with what I, what was going on in my body. Um, my, con, you know, the, 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 the limitation of the, con, the physical condition kept me from being able to s- sustain employment. Um, the, uh, the, the, all of the income things that I made, the, the great salary and all, I couldn't sustain any of that because my body would not allow me to do it. And uh, because they put value on the function and rather than the person, um, you know, it was I had to, I, you know, they didn't need me anymore. They could find somebody else. They could train somebody else to do what I did. Yeah. And so, so you're, that's what they did. And this is this is going on for years where, you know, your job's disappearing. The finances mm-hmm. are disappearing probably relationships just because you have to focus oh, so yeah. much. It's all it's all starting to to get taken, feel like it's getting taken away from you. I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah. The walls feel like they're closing in and you're, and all you're asking yourself is like, why is this happening to me? Yeah. Like, why is this, why is this taking place in my life? I mean, I, it's like life handed me a card. I woke up one morning and life handed me a card and the doctors were telling me if we don't do something right now, you know, you, you got two weeks to live. Yeah. Wow. So, um, that, that kind of stuff, um, it will inter- it will interrupt. You're talking about a pattern interrupt. That's a pattern interrupt um, where somebody's telling you, you know, we got to operate or, you know, you got two weeks to live. Gotcha. Um, that changes everything. Things that you thought were so important, they don't, you know, they just don't play out to be as important at that time. You know, you're questioning your, your mortality. Like, you could die. And they say, so your focus becomes different. They're saying you got two weeks to live. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. you're you know you've never heard anything like this before. You're thinking, well, okay, you could say that, but I'm gonna get up and walk again. So I don't mm-hmm. I don't really know what you're talking about. Yeah, even while I was in the hospital, that that this this saying kept coming back. Something in your life could be leveraged to create something you want. And so I started looking beyond my condition and. I started looking at things. What, what, rather than saying, what can I do anymore? I started asking myself, mm-hmm. what can I do? What can I do with my life? You know, I've been through a lot of stuff. I'm very fortunate 
to be here? What can I do? And um, so many of my doctors, so many of my nurses, people who would visit would always tell me about how inspirational I was. They would come to see me and, you know, I ended up talking about something that was going on in their life and I always encouraged them motivated them to do something or whatever. When I would go into physical therapy, I would motivate uh, people who were, you know, taking their first steps or standing. Or, and I would be you know, like, hey, you, you got it. You're doing it. And here I am going through the same thing they're going through, but I'm motivating them and pushing mm-hmm. them, you know, to, to get it going and saying, hey, yeah, congratulations, you know, and I'm making a big deal about it because they need to hear it. You know, it's like, uh, nobody needs to hear it more than that person that is trying to give everything they got to get back to life. You know, so I'm doing that. And people just started telling me how much of a great motivator I was and all of that stuff. So I just said, you know what, I I, I need to find a way to get, you know, to, to impact more people's yeah. lives um, than what I'm doing right now. And so I decided to go online and you know, I found out about, you know, you could create an online radio show. And so I had time. So I said, OK, well, let me just figure out how to do this. And I did. And um, I just started, you know, hitting <laughs> record and just started talking and started sharing. I didn't know who was out there. I didn't know if anybody was <laughs> listening to me at all. I was just just talking. And, and sure enough. I started getting building my audience and that audience grew um, stateside and then it went international. And before I knew it, I had people reaching out to me from other countries telling me how inspirational I, I was. This message comes to you. You're hearing it over and over, and and you're like kind of like tabling it, right? Like I don't know what to do with this right now, but you're living your life. You're you're rehabbing. You're run, You're meeting people. You're connecting with others. You're inspiring them. You're walking the talk. And then, would you say that that helped you get the belief back into what you know you can do? for not only yourself, but for others? Or where did that, how did that get strong again? Just kind of going through it day by day? Well, I, I think it's the process of just throwing myself in it. Um, it became a healthy distraction to my own condition. But at the same time, there's just something really powerful about giving. And, and I'm, you know, I'm not just talking about, I'm, I'm not talking about monetarily. Um, though giving monetarily is awesome as well. But when you are encouraging people, when you are speaking into the lives of someone, I mean, just even giving a compliment, it, it's just something powerful about giving. And um, the more I did it, the better I felt. The more I did it, the better I felt. And so when I did this radio show, um, the doctors and the nurses began to take notice of what I was doing. And they thought it was so powerful that the doctors instructed the nurses to put up a sign on my door that said, do not disturb. He's recording while I was in the hospital. Like they, they, they literally told the nurses to put up a sign. 
do not disturb. He he he's recording. So I started my radio show in a hospital bed. I I did it right there in a hospital bed. With that, like you got, you're starting a radio show, and you know, are you planning an agenda? Are you just talking from the heart? Is it a mix? Yeah. Are you sharing your story? I'm, I'm just What's talking from the heart. Taking a subject, I'm talking from the heart, and literally. Even though I was talking to the world, I was really talking to myself. Mm. I was really talking to mm. myself and just encouraging myself. And uh, but I was just talking to people and it's like, hey, you can do this. Nothing can stop you once you make the decision to, you know, to um, be better. You can do better. And so I'm doing this and I'm just pouring and pouring and pouring and. People started listening. They were inspired. They were encouraged. And then they started responding. And then I started getting asked questions. Well, how should I, you know, do this? You know, and it, and it transcended life. It wasn't just about life. It was about business. Well, how do I do this in business? And how do I do that? And I'm like, well, these things are no, but I'm, I'm addressing it in the blind because they're there for the moment. But then I made a decision. I said, you know, I got to get better at this if people are going to ask me this question. Mm-hmm. And before I knew it, I, I was talking with a, um, uh, a a very good friend of mine who um, literally was just pumping, you know, personal development stuff into me over and over and over again. Um that that friend of mine now actually has to uh, it happens to be my wife of ten years, um, but she she would give me things and then uh, I listened to one of the messages she gave me one of those CDs and it talked about coaching and I said what is this thing about coaching and so um, I went online looked it up and saw life coaching and you can do you can coach businesses you can do all types of coaching and get your certification in it. And so I got certified in coaching and uh, I started working with people and doing things in their business and already had sales experience. So when people would talk to me about sales, I knew my way around that area. So Hmm. um, keep in mind, I'm I'm still in a hospital bed, Um, but my health had progressed so much that they said, Mr. Williams, we're sending you home. Um, and you think that had to do with your just your belief in yourself and the purpose that you were given as you were going through this this new work? Positive self-expression. Yeah. Positive self-expression. Just mm. committing to something that was so much bigger than me, and showing up in a way that attracted other people to me. Um, There's a saying, you radiate before you attract, like you radiate before you attract. You put out good energy before you draw other Mm. people to you. So you have to radiate. You have to literally set yourself on fire and other people will come and watch you burn. So I, I, I did that. I did just that and uh, showed up even when it hurt. Even when, you know, mm-hmm. I, I was taking medicines that were trying to just drain the life out of me. I, I just kept doing it. And when they told me I could go home, I, man, I had so much momentum. They mm-hmm. set me up in a hospital bed at home and said, well, you're still going to have to spend a lot of time in your bed. But, you know, you, you don't have to be in here anymore. So 
I wasn't out of the bed, but I was out of the hospital. So I went home and I was doing it. Um, and I just kept, kept encouraging people, kept the, the motivation of the show going. Everything was yeah. moving forward. And uh, now I had this coaching thing going on and I did this for a while. And then people started calling in Great Britain. Um, I mean, I've, I mean, the show has grown my, now I have a radio show that literally goes all the way across North America. Um, I even have uh, uh, people listening to my show in Tokyo, um, Canada. I mean, it's all across, you know, send in and syndicated across 300 different stations. And so I address the dynamic of, um, still motivating people, still encouraging people, still empowering people, but I'm doing it through the, the realm of, you know, just getting started, whatever it is in life that you want to do, embrace it, um, and, and, and make your move before you're ready. And so, and it's, and you were, you were doing it from, it sounds like such a real authentic yeah. place where it started with just sharing all the things that were inside of you that you knew could either help someone else or help yourself. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious, you know, along the way, are you, so, are you a type of guy that has like this intentional self-talk in your mind as you're going through this? Like, is there a mantra or is there a message? I know you received that message about something in my life, but are you someone that keeps repeating something in your mind as you're, as you're putting out you know, your radio show when you feel like crap and your and times are tough. Yeah, I, did that. I just kept repeating that over and over and over again. And I learned how to talk to myself from a place called done. Um, I call that place called done where you are already living in the you that you desire to be. It's in that in that finished state. It's not in the I'm trying to become state. It's in that. It's in that I've assumed that what I desire for my life, I already have it. I'm no longer mm -hmm. trying to get it. I'm there. It's already here. I'm there. I'm one yeah. with it. Like there's no there. gaps in you know. In my thinking, there is no gaps in the. Uh, and, and it's between me and the, and, the, and the life I desire. So there there's no spaces in between it. Time does not exist in that. So um, I just assumed that and just kept coming from that place, a place I like to call done. Um, and whenever I would come from that, I would always speak from my best self, promote my, you know, and speak in my best light and put things out there. That ended up turning into me launching a coaching business from my hospital bed. Um, right. And and that in, that turned into not only coaching, but I trained uh, salespeople. I trained an international sales team. Um, one of my clients had businesses in nine different countries. I trained their sales team um, from a hospital bed. I coached. And are you setting this up yourself? Yeah, I'm doing it. Are that. you setting all this up yourself? That like people are hearing yourself. people are hearing my messages and they're reaching out to me and they're connecting they're and saying, out. you know what? I'd like for you to do this. Do you do this? Do you do and I embraced every opportunity. Yeah. You know, I mean of course wow. if it wasn't, you know, it, like I couldn't get up and go anywhere, but 
if I could do it from my from my I, I would do it. And you figured it out. I mean, yeah. you're figuring out how to connect. You're figuring out how to set up. You know, things that you you've never had to figure out all along the way. Oh yeah. Yeah, and and again, that voice kept growing louder. Something in your life could be leveraged to create something you want. Now, here I was in a bed-bound state, and now I'm running a business. I got a radio show. I said, well, okay, if something in my life could be leveraged, or, ah, okay, so let me leverage my condition. And I leveraged my condition, went back to school, got several degrees. I couldn't physically go to college, but I could go to school online. Went back to school, got several degrees, um, and actually, I start doctoral school in January. So now I'm working to get become a doctor in business, um, and and um, well, a doctor in business management uh, of nature. But you know, again, um, I've spoke, I've done um, trainings, I've done um, motivational messages, I've done, I do coaching. I've done that stuff for over 10 years from a bed bound state. And this is after coming out of the hospital. I did that um, while dealing with the, the drama of the condition that I had from the um, infection I contracted in the operating room. Here's, here's the curious, here's something I got to ask. I mean, you've gone through, 10 years of real, real trials and tribulations. Mm. But life right now, you've turned a massive corner, but life still goes on. Right. We're still, adverse events are still happening to your life. What happens now when something in life comes up that throws you a curveball or or is difficult? How are you approaching that now? What What's it like for you now when things happen in your life? That's a great question. I think the thing that has helped me is the resilience. Um, I uh, There's this concept uh, called adaptive resilience. And it talks about, um, well, it was originally designed for architecture, where it talks about how a building is able to maintain its integrity um, in its structure while in the midst of disturbing circumstances. And things in there. I said, well, that sounds a lot like human beings, too. So um, the ability to stay true to your core purpose um, and your core idea, your core values in the midst of disturbing circumstances, you may adapt, but you never fold. Hmm. You just learn how to do things another way. Um, hmm. And so the power of adaptive resilience um, was something that I developed throughout this whole period of time. And so, I mean, there have been episodes where I had to go back into the hospital. There have been episodes where I've been sick again uh, and things mm -hmm. of that nature. But because of the level of adaptive resilience that I've built um, over the years, I found mm -hmm. ways to thrive through adversity. I found I don't I don't try to push it out of my life. I found how I found I finally learned how to dance with it, Adam. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's what I'm hearing. Uh, You're not someone saying, oh, here we go again or oh, no, like, you know, 
you don't have that past emotion in your body where it's like, oh, what am I going to hear now when I go in there? Is there that fear there? Is that voice in there? Yeah. So no, I don't, I don't deal with that anymore. I think the thing that I really start once I realized that this condition couldn't hold me, then I had to start yeah. dealing with me. I realized I could not put it on my condition anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I started understanding what it meant to take personal responsibility for your life. I I started um, saying, well, if the problem isn't outside of me, then that means the problem is inside of me. And now I have to really take a strong look at who I am and um, questioning, can I really succeed in doing this? Can I really build a six figure business? Can I build an organization can I can I actually achieve this dream from this? Cause like I've never seen anybody do that. Um, and I was just going through these challenges and I've been fortunate to have mentors in my life that let me know that everything I desire is possible and, th- and that I can achieve whatever it is that I desire to do. I, I, I you, it's funny you mentioned personal responsibility. You know, this is second nice conversation we've had and you're clearly someone that embodies that you go to your facebook page it's all over that can you share a little bit about that with people that may be listening that really don't may not understand what that means like what has that taught you what lesson is that taught you taking personal responsibility so let me i'll i'll digress and i'll pour from this tony robbins used to speak extensively on a concept called personal power Okay, and we all have the ability to do things that no one else can do on this earth. We were uniquely made as such. Every person on this earth has a unique purpose. And we are so unique as individuals that out of the millions of people that lived here before us, the millions of people who live here with us and the millions that will live here after us. No two people can come together and get the same blueprint, the same fingerprint. Mm -hmm. That's how unique we are. So we have Mm -hmm. something that we can do that we do better than anybody else. And I believe that is your personal power. And there are things that we have within us that activate that personal power. Um, like clarity. Clarity gives you the ability to operate or to access something inside of you that you didn't realize was there before. Um, Resilience is something that's built inside of us that we did not know. Um, There are certain things that you'll never discover about yourself until your back is against the wall. Um, Unfortunately, that's how it happens. It doesn't take that, but it happens as such. People, they discover Mm -hmm. things about themselves when their back's against the wall. So uh, that's just a part. You know, I mean, many people can tell you about that. But again, what I'm, I'm saying is that that personal power exists, but you cannot step into your personal power until you first take responsibility personal responsibility Mm. for the way you think about yourself, the outcomes you produce, and the income you make. And it's very simple to say, 
but it's extremely hard to do because you got to work through stuff like backstories, what people have told you about yourself mm. growing up, the 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 the, the uh, beliefs that were passed down to you from parents and uh, developmental mentors, where people or environments told you that people like you can't do a certain thing, or nobody yeah, in really. your family has done this, or maybe previous experiences and relationships where you may have failed or something, or, um, you know, just things that you may have tried before that are telling you, you know, you can't do it. You see what happened last time when you tried to do it. All that's a part of your backstory. Then you have your blind spots. These are things that you do to get in your own way uh, to keep those things from happening. And, and so that's a major challenge. But you got to take control over the way you think about yourself and the outcomes you produce. Every You have to realize that you are the cause that creates the effect or the effects that happen in your life. You are the primary cause, not not anything else. You are the primary cause for what takes place in your life. And then lastly, the there, you make, you know, that's that's all on you. That's predicated upon the value that you deliver to other people. I mean, you can make as much money as you desire once you recognize, once you master the skill of being able to communicate your value, you learn how to create value for others. You learn how to communicate it in a way mm -hmm. that meets other people's needs, uh, provide meaningful solutions to other people, and you're able to capture more of the value you make. So those things are super important and it allows you to operate within your personal power. That's wonderful. I mean, that, that was, that was so powerful there. Uh, you know, really defining in depth what personal responsibility means. You are the cause of whatever effect that happens. And it starts with you. That's just, I love those words. And, you know, to take the time to explore and maybe even challenge some of the beliefs and things that were passed down to you from wherever so that you could take a hard look and and kind of choose which beliefs to accept for yourself because it does start with us. I, I, I thought that was brilliant. Well, listen, I, I mean, we could talk all day. This is, <laughs> this is great. You, you came alive. I mean, you really brought it, and I, I'm so, so thankful. Uh, the last minute or two here, we were about to talk for 30 minutes. We're almost gotten up to an hour, I, I really want to say thank you. And I want to uh, give you a plug where you could let our listeners know where they could find you, social media, website, wherever. So uh, please, please share with them. I am. Thank you. Yeah. So thank you for the opportunity. What I will say is that there are an, uh, man, I mean, 2020 is going to be an explosive year um, for us. And um I can tell you this much. I want you to, we're doing a lot of things now, revamping websites. Uh, the new season of Yes Go Radio is starting um, back up in January. And now, uh, Adam, I'm hosting, uh, I'm interviewing um, icons in the field of business mm -hmm. and, and, and things who have done 
tremendous stuff. And they're sharing their stories about how they got started there. I literally have people that's coming on there that are delivering millions of dollars in value within a, a, a an hour frame time frame. I mean, these guys are flat killing it, <laughs> knocking it out the park. So I don't want you to miss any of that. I don't want you to miss any of what we got going on. So this is what I'm going to give you the long and short of it. Check me out on Facebook. You can reach me at uh, Coach A.M. Williams. You can also reach me on LinkedIn at Coach A.M. Williams. And you can reach me on Instagram and Twitter at Coach A.M. Williams. If you will do that, you can get locked in because I am going to be as we're releasing this stuff, I'm going to be promoting this stuff as well as other inspirational uh, messages like you've uh, heard Adam just speak about through my social media. And I'm going to give you links to everything as is taking place. The radio show, the new programs we got. I mean, we got cruises coming up, Adam. Um, I mean, there are all kinds of things that are taking place. It's going to be explosive. Um, so I want people to just go and just connect with me on social media because I'm going to I'm going to tell you that's where I'm going to be giving all my secrets. Am you are just getting going, man. You are just getting. You feel like you're just getting going. Like, do you feel like you're 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 just you're not even at your peak? Right. You're just getting. I going. mean, it's just literally the the, the can't the, the the it's just like a. You know, like when you're building a bonfire and you yeah. get the, you get that thing started where the point yeah. where the wood, where the fire is being able to consume the wood and not get smothered by it. We're just getting, we're just getting started. We're man. just getting started. We're just getting started. Well, again, I really appreciate you taking the time. I know this was uh, a big ask for you, but your worlds are so powerful and they come from a real true place. So. Looking forward to talking to you again soon and uh, seeing your progress. And so, thanks so much. I it's, appreciate it's you. my pleasure. I'm, you know, glad to be here with the audience, and I hope that I've been able to share something of um, uh, immense value with them as well. Thanks so much for listening to the episode. If something resonated with you and you'd like to share it, please email me at adam at escocoaching.com or send me a message on social media.